I want to talk to you today about the deep sadness, about the mental distress caused by bereavement, caused by remorse, caused by loss. Loss of your hair, your job, loss of some personal item that you held dear maybe, loss of your home, car trouble, loss of a car, personal distress, mental distress, the loss of a family pet. There are many who've gone through that loss. Loss of an important business deal. Been working on it for a long time and just falls through. The deep sadness, the the mental distress over the loss of respect. Maybe you've been robbed or your house has been broken into and there's, there's been a loss of security in your life. Loss of a marriage can cause deep sadness, mental distress. And, and of course, the loss of a loved one. The deep sadness and mental distress over the loss of, of any one of these things or, or other things that I haven't mentioned is called grief. And, and I want to ask the question and, and answer it today. Why grief? Why do we have grief in our life? I want to answer this question and others and I want to leave you with the, with the best biblical example that I know of of, of one who who had grief in his life and not only overcame the grief himself, but also helped others overcome this same grief. One reason for grief is told to us by Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. It's found in what we call the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Without the outlet of grief, sorrow would be too much. Comfort could not fully be understood and could not fully be appreciated without grief. Sorrow would be too much if grief was not a process. And it is. Grief is a process that you you work through. You know, the mental health field has over the years found a pattern for most grieving. This is a pattern typical for most, but, uh, you know, it, it is just, just a guideline. It, it's just a, a process. It's not a hard and, hard and fast rule. I had a good friend who died in a home invasion, and I, I went to grief therapy with the family. And I remember the ther- therapist told us of the process of grieving, but warned us that no one 
was the same. Everyone would grieve in their, in their own way. And no one could tell you when that process stopped or when you should stop grieving. The loss of a dollar may be gotten over very quickly. But you know, when good people die, they need to be mourned. Doctors have used seven stages as a model, five stages as a model of grief, and there are, there are variations on, on these stages. But most all of us grieve and touch each stage from, from one degree or another. The first reaction when one grieves is, is one of denial. Something happens in your life, and you're like, oh, no, that couldn't, that couldn't happen. That couldn't happen to me. Why is it happening to me? There's a shock that, that much, too much, is different in your life. This shock may give way to a certain amount of anger. And it's normal. A normal reaction, doctors say, is there's a, a bargaining process. This is where all the, the if-onlys come into play. If, well, if only I'd said this. If only I'd done that. If only I'd been here. If only I'd done that. This leads to depression. There's a worry about cost. There's a worry about regret. There's a worry about time misspent, time not spent. Separation anxiety in this stage for the loss incurred some of the, at this point. If the process is worked through and, and not overly medicated, if the process is worked through, there is acceptance. For some, this never happens. For some, acceptance never happens in their grief. But it should be the goal for all of us as Christians who grieve. And we all do. Or we will grieve at some point in our life. Again, grief is a process and all of us react differently and how we re how we react may depend on what has happened you know i've mentioned some things that may have caused you grief or others that you know grief the bible is full of examples you know it grieved me not to be able to bring them all to you to have to cut so many of these biblical examples of grief out of the sermon but there are some great biblical examples of Causes of grief and people who have come through grief. One of the first that comes to mind, of course, is Job. In Job chapter 2, verses 7 through 13, Job is afflicted with boils. We can understand that physical pain causes much grief in our lives. And at the same moment, Job's wife is saying, Curse God and die. And the well-meaning but unhelpful people in our lives cause us much grief as well. In 1 Samuel, Hannah, she couldn't have children. This grieved her. Children in general will grieve you though, won't they? I mean, you know, there's the, there's the joy of the child and, 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 and the, the, the expectations that you have and the, the joy that you have in those ex expectations, but there is grief with children too. 
you mothers, you had your children in grief, in pain. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 25 says, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Yeah, our children, they'll cause us grief. David lamented his sin in Psalm 51, verse 3. Sin, it can cause you much mental anguish. It can cause you much grief, can't it? You would think the opposite of sin, you know, for the Christian to, to uphold Jesus Christ before others, that wouldn't cause you any grief. Oh, but it does. Even, you know, the opposite of sin, holding up Jesus before others will cause you grief. It's caused me grief in my life. It also did in the lives of the apostles. In Acts chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, we read of Peter and John. They're put into prison for preaching Jesus in the temple. But, because of their going through grief, verse 4 says, many of those who heard the word believed. People are funny, aren't they? People are funny. And many with hardship standing in front of them, many when faced with grief react and they react at different stages of the grief process in outrageous ways. In Genesis 34, Dinah, the, the, daughter of Jacob, the daughter of Jacob and Leah, she was violated by Shechem, the son of, of Hamar. And, and Hamar, he, he makes excuses for his son. His son who has grieved him for doing this thing, he makes excuses for his son. And over the grief in the treatment of their sister, the sons of Jacob... in that anger stage, react with violence and they kill Shechem and Hamar. Their stage of anger swung from anger to magnified violence. David in his grief seemed to go through bouts of depression. If you look at Psalm 31 verses 9 and 10, he, he asked the Lord for mercy. And brings his, he brings his trouble before God. He says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. For, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. And my bones waste away. That doesn't sound like somebody that's got it all together, does it? No. Sounds like somebody that's hurting. But notice that first example. David gives it to God, doesn't he? David's example is another answer to why grief. The answer being, so we will run to God who loves us. He wants us to depend on Him. Now some in the deep depression of grief go too far. We've all been touched in some way by, by suicide in our families. We see a terrible example of this in Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 5, where Judas knew he had sinned because he had portrayed innocent blood. 
He got no help from his spiritual advisors, the, the chief priest and, and the elders. When he, when he went to them about it, he tried to give the money back. And they said, what's that to us? What's that to us? I'm glad I don't have shepherds like that. Judas didn't want the money. The money was thrown to the ground. And it says in verse 5 that he went and he hanged himself. I wonder what would happen if he didn't. If he hadn't have done that. But those who are acquainted with suicide were all left with questions. That's, that's all we're left with. It's questions in, in our own grief. Why? Grief in and of itself makes us focus on, on the important crossroads in our lives. Many, though, and I, and I hope it will be said of everyone here, when faced with grief, when, when faced with hard times, when, when faced with deep sadness and deep distress, we'll run to God. We'll lean on Him. To me, the finest example of this is found in the life of Paul. In Acts chapter 27, if you would please turn there. Acts chapter 27. Dr. Luke describes the journey Paul was making to Rome. Paul had as a, as a Roman citizen appealed to Caesar when he was accused falsely by the Jews in, in Jerusalem. And Luke writes of Paul's trip under arrest on a ship where other prisoners are guarded by Roman soldiers. Acts chapter 27 and verse 10, Paul warned the centurion of the danger of, of continuing on with their journey. What they needed to do, Paul was thinking, was they needed to, to stop the ship and they needed to winter in this certain port. But they didn't. They didn't stop. And, and sure enough, a storm blew up and Luke describes one of the most harrowing experiences you'll ever read of in the, in the New Testament. Well, in Acts. The crew, in an effort to lighten the ship, because the ship was floundering in this, in this huge storm, in an effort to lighten the ship, they, they started throwing the, the all-important rigging off the ship so that they could ride higher in the water and they wouldn't sink. Let's pick up with Luke's account in verse 20. He's traveling with Paul and his first-hand rendering says, Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no, no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Have you ever felt that way? I just want to give up. I'm tired. I've had enough. That the only way that seemed to be happening to you was disaster. And you had no control whatsoever. Have you ever thought, this is it? This is the end? I... But you came through it and you sit here today. Why? How did you do that? 
How did you get through whatever it was that made you feel that way? Well, I hope that you'll find it here in these passages. You know, I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV. But I can follow a clear example from the Bible. See if you don't find yourself here in how Paul dealt with grief. Maybe you dealt with, with hardship the same way. And you can use this as an example again when grief comes your way. Find yourself here. When faced with distress and with faced with loss of any kind, notice verse 21. But after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Now just a side note. I hope one of these days I don't have to tell you I told you so. I hope I don't have to tell you that. I hope I don't have to tell you about I told you so about keeping your kids close to the truth. Because I've told you so. Hope I don't have to tell you about staying with the faith. Because I've told you so. Hope I don't have to tell you I told you so about the biblical concepts and instructions on, on marriage and divorce and licentiousness and fornication. Hope I don't have to tell you I told you so because I've told you so. Hope you heed the warnings like these in Paul's boat didn't. Verse 22, And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Now, it sounds like Paul's bragging. I told you so. And that's not what he's doing. What, what he's doing here is he's setting up his authority so that they'll finally listen to him. They didn't listen to him before. And I told you so. But listen to me now. Listen to me now. You didn't listen before, but listen to me now. Take courage, Paul saying, verse 23, For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you and all those who sail with you. This, this was a message to Paul from God. Don't be afraid, the message says. Are you afraid? The trial that you're going through right now, the trial that you will go through soon, are you afraid? Well, I wouldn't be if I had an angel come and tell me, wait a minute now. The angel only told God's word. You have God's complete word in the scriptures. You have God's complete word. Trust in God's word. Trust in what He's told you. It's inspired. It's furnished. It's complete. 2 Timothy 3.16 God's Word is perfect. James chapter 1 verse 25 And the obedient will be blessed. And like Paul, we can use God's Word to encourage each other and, and comfort each other and build one another up. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 Verse 25, Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Believe God. 
believe what he says is going to happen. Without faith, Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. Take heart through your trial. Believe God through your valley. Whatever your valley is, believe God. Believe what he said. Verse 26, however, we must run aground on a certain island. You must go through your trial. I can't go through your trial. You can't go through mine. You must go through your valley. You must hit your island. You've got to face it. No matter how painful it is, you've got to face it. Verse 27, now, when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land, and they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then fearing, lest we should run aground on the, on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff, into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. When you go through trials, you must realize that many of the things that you will face will be out of your control. You will face people, places, and things that you will not be able to control. They'll be out of your hands but you've got to recognize what will save you. Paul told him. He told him what would save him. He tells us these 2,000 years later what will save us. Verse 32, Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. Many times, like Paul, when things are out of your personal control, Look at verse 31. Communicate what you need. Communicate what's needed. Tell somebody, I need this. Speak up. Don't be silent. Look at verse 32. Rely on others. Paul couldn't do that. Only the centurions had the authority. Paul got help from where he could get help from. Help was given in the Roman guard. Verse 33, And as the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Now this is a, this is a, a lesson for all Christians here. We don't need to be backwards. Okay? We don't need to be backwards. We need when somebody's hurting, I mean, all it, all it may take is just a, just a hand on their back. Just, just a nod, a smile, a tear. Shed a tear with them. Get out of your comfort zone and encourage those who are grieving. Look at verse 34. Therefore I urge you to take nourishment, for this is your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. We need to encourage each other, yes. 
But the grieving must keep up their strength. You've got to. Many times the hurting let themselves go. And in verse 34, God told them that they would be okay. Do you believe that? We must believe that the faithful will not perish. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You believe that, don't you? Verse 35, And when, they had said these, when He had said these things, He took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when He had broken it, He began to eat. What an example. Our example here is to be an example. Do you get that? Our example here by Paul is to be an example. He took, he, he ate. He did the things, he, he, he walked the talk, didn't he? Brother Shockley's not here this morning. He and I had a talk the other day about his service in Vietnam. He was a conscientious objector, which means he didn't carry a gun. But he was sent into the front lines with those who did as a medic. He had a pile of grief to wade through. The first time he and this is from Brother Shockley, the first time he and his company were sent into a battlefield on a helicopter, knowing they would have to fight, the radio man looked at Brother James and said, How are you so calm? James said, well, you know what? I'm going to have to be here a year. I'm going to have to be here a year. And if I start thinking bad thoughts now, it's going to drive me crazy. He says, besides, I'm a Christian. And whether I live or die, it's okay. The radio man looked at him and said, I wish I had that peace. Brother Shockley said, you can. We need to thank God even in our trials because He will deliver us no matter what, one way or another. He will deliver us. If you're a Christian, you're going to be okay. Verse 36. Then they were all encouraged and took food themselves. And, and in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. How many are here today? 162 are here today. We like the 276 in the boat. We need to encourage each other in our little ship. And help lighten the load for others. 
throw things off, help others throw things off if, if need be. If you are grieving or know someone who is, get involved. Get involved. Get involved in their life. Get involved in the lives of someone else. Get busy. Get to work. We're in this together. We're in this boat together. We face this storm together. We are family. We need to act like it. Let's not run away like the sailors tried to. But cut off things that hinder us. Throw off the weights that, that sink us. Let's ride high together in this storm that we're in. Verse 39. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. When, when you're grieving, do not bury your head. Keep your head on a swivel and be looking for that answered prayer. Okay? Look for the help that you've been praying for. Look, look at verse 40. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. They took the anchors off the boat and threw them in the sea. Meanwhile, losing the rudder ropes. Do you understand what just happened? They had no way to control the ship. They had no way to steer the ship now. They had no rudder. And they hoisted the main sail to the wind and made for shore. They totally trusted in what Paul said. They totally trusted in what little bit of word of God they had. And they put the sail up and made as much power as they could for sure. They cut the anchor. They lost control. No, they gave control away on the hope of salvation. When Paul tells you even today, Acts chapter 22 verse 16, and now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. What are you waiting for? What's, what's hindering you? What's, what, what anchor do you need to cut? When John tells you, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if you will confess your sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive you. Why don't you? Why don't you? Put the mainsail up. Make for sure. Give it to God. Give your control to God. Verse 41. But striking a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was broken up by the violence of the waves. It was like the storm was trying to, trying to run them off the front of the ship, breaking up the back of the ship. Their prayer was being answered. What? Yeah. Their prayer was being answered and God's word was being fulfilled. Maybe not the, like the way they would have wanted it to be. You know, it would have been nice to, to pull into a port and kind of everybody walk off single file. That would have been nice. Maybe the trial that you're going through, maybe it's, maybe it's not happening the way you want it to go. Maybe things aren't working out the way you want them to work out. But have you stopped to think that your prayers are still being answered?
and God is in control. We must understand that not everything is how we'd like it to be, but everything will turn out the way God wants it to be. Verse 42, notice. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape. Man has his own plans many times. Man says, I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go do that. James says, that's foolish. He says, we don't know because our life is just a vapor. We don't know whether we will go do this or that. We're only given today our life is just a vapor. We should say, if the Lord wills, we'll go do this or that. The foolishness of God, Paul wrote, the foolishness of God is higher than the wisdom of man. There's man's plan and there's God's plan. And we must make sure that our, our plan coincides with God's plan. We do that by looking in God's word for what his plan is for our life. Verse 43. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump over the board. Excuse me. He commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped, escaped safely to land. And you notice that. They all escaped safely to land. God's word was true. God's word was true. They all escaped. The trial is on you. You've got to swim. You've got to. You must. You must, you must grab a hold of, of anything that's floating and make your way to safety. This example will help you only if you will lay hold of what's given to you and use it to float to safety. Why grief? Well, it's God's own help. In grief, we depend on God. God grieves too. Did you know that? We grieve. So does God. What would make the most powerful being in the universe grieve? Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. I want to show you what kind of things God grieves about. And I want to tell you how you can help God in His grief. You'd like to help God, wouldn't you? You would like to help God. God is grieving. And you'd like to help Him, wouldn't you? You love God, don't you? You love God enough to help Him if He needs help. He's helped you in so many ways, hasn't He? How can you help God in His grief? And what does God grieve about? He, the Hebrew writer quotes God's feeling about the Israelites. 
and anyone who is his children. It says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 10, I was grieved with that generation and said, They always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Do you grieve God? Are you erring even now? Do you know God's ways and yet turn your back on them? You can help His grief. How? Don't err in your heart. Know His ways. Know His ways. Obey His ways. Know Him. Obey Him. If you need prayer or if you need baptism, now you can have it. If you are troubled, trust Him. As together we stand and sing.